Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Timothan, how's it going today? It's going great, Davidathy. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. So this is sort of a, a part two continuation from our last episode. We were talking about, you know, whether or not society can actually change. And we started to have a side conversation about like, uh, you know, should we have philosopher kings or not? Um, right. and, and I find it interesting that you find the arguments for that um, hypoth- like possible like, you know, potentially they're valid when you and I have Mm -hmm. agreed that the political spectrum is really authoritarian versus libertarian. And as soon as you let it slip that there's a possibility for any sort of philosopher king type, um, that's where that's when the battle is lost. Right. And we talked in the last episode about how it really comes down to what is the nature of a person? What is the nature of human beings generally? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I actually want to just jump in with one point, because, you know, anyone who's listening to this, I'd encourage them to listen to the, the last episode first. And I want to add in one point that I think is really important. We talked about how how tough it is for some people to wake up and how, you know, when you and I did, we were lost for years. I was like totally lost for at least a year. And I had no idea who I was, what my values were and these sorts of things. And so it's, it was really, it's difficult to take the red pill or whatever. And I actually think leaning on that experience and my knowledge of that is actually what helps me know we don't need philosopher kings because it helps me feel compassion for the people who are automatons. It helps me feel, and that's even a dismissive term to use, but it helps me feel compassion for the people who aren't awake yet because it's really scary to wake up. It's really scary to have all your values questioned. And so it's not a matter of, oh, they just need a philosopher king. They just need someone to help direct them. They need someone to help them wake up. They need someone to provide love and guidance on their journey to being awake and show that that's more valuable than continuing to just follow the masses. And so the more I kind of think from that lens, the less, you know, because I used to want to be the philosopher king, right? I very much thought I was going to be the philosopher king. And very much my mindset has changed. And it's, it's a quote that comes to mind is like the, the pain it took to blossom was less than the pain it took to remain in a bud, right? So it's like, it's scary to become your full self, but at some point you have to show that it's scarier to remain, uh, you know, where you're at. So that's just where I wanted to start the conversation because hmm. I think it's an important point that's not often talked about is actually showing compassion for how difficult it is to actually question the culture around you to go out on your own and that sort of thing. So I'm interested in your thoughts broadly and specifically on this point. Yeah, well, uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it is, you know, having some compassion for people as you're trying to persuade them is is more effective at persuading people, um, certainly than than just calling them a libtard or a, you you know whatever, right? Like calling them idiots and and you know bashing them uh, for their beliefs or something like that. Um, you know, 
you're definitely right about that. I mean, in terms of philosopher kings versus, like, you're right. Um, you know, the question to me is, like, theoretically, how would we ever get a free society when right now it's contingent on uh, a tipping point of culture uh, not being automatons anymore, right? And yeah. is that even realistic? And like, can we compete with the, these leftist idea, ideas that offer people free stuff? Like, uh, if you're an automaton, you're going to go to where the free stuff is and where the compassion is and where all that kind of stuff is. And, you know, we're, we're fighting a losing battle potentially for culture, um, according to some. And so that's where, you know, a philosopher king might be a step a step in a right in the right direction right a, a step away from rather than having everyone like having the mob have all the power uh have someone who has actual skin in the game and let's say is an ayn rand um clone or something like that um just say no you're not having free stuff no you're not having this welfare state no it we're going to have private property no we're going to impose uh we're going to impose liberty on everyone whether you like it or not you're no longer allowed to rob from people doesn't matter how many people want to rob uh david and and redistribute his wealth that's not going to happen um there's an argument to be made that that's better i mean hoppa makes this argument more compellingly in democracy the god that failed in which he he points out that monarchs have are much better at at um uh at liberty let's say and and like um preserving it sounds like a contradiction well it does yeah i mean you know like he wasn't arguing in favor of monarchy he was he was you know he's ultimately arguing for for anarcho capitalism where we're all kind of kings of our own little kingdom our private kingdom right um but but he was making the point that why why would we favor mob rule over monarchy let's say um and he makes a bunch of valid points about there you know for example a king is concerned about um preserving resources he d- he's not going to willy-nilly send his armies off to war uh, because that destroys the wealth of his nation whereas right now in democracy because of the political cycle you can spend all this money you never have to suffer any accountability from misspending it or s- sending soldiers off to fight and die and dumping trillions because you're moved on to uh, a wealthy private <laughs> consulting gig after your political thing. And you, you never have to answer for anything, right? Whereas a king constantly has to worry about that. He has to worry about generational wealth because he need, needs to pass the wealth on to his heirs, make sure, make sure he stewards it. So these were kind of the points that Hoppe was making in that book. Um, ultimately, it, it wasn't an uh, apology for monarchy so much as just pointing out how terrible democracy is um at you know so yeah yeah anyways so i mean i the idea of having like rules that must be followed i mean that's kind of the idea of a republic that's the idea of the united states sure. is that there's a constitution that has to be followed that's not the same as a philosopher king who then is the person who makes those decisions each time, right? Whenever there's interpretation rules, and then it can just be their whim instead of the group whim. The whole idea of an objective society is you codify things such that whims aren't involved. And, yes. you know, and there can be debate about what process to put in place 
So that's not the case, but I agree, right? Like, I mean, I suppose it's since Socrates was ordered to drink hemlock that we're like, well, just massive, just mob rule isn't the best. You, the mob can't vote for you to have to die. Um, so I think that's valid, but I, I want to get back as well, or, or I'm stuck on like the idea that the people who are automatons and who are saying, oh yeah, I just want this free stuff. It's important to remember that they chose to be that way, which means you could make them an argument in theory that would, they would choose something else. And like you and I both think not being an automaton is better, right? And so unless there's something innately different about us as to why we chose that versus being an automaton, or maybe there's just certain arguments, certain values that can be brought forward to people for them to make that different choice, right? Because it's really, they can choose to turn off their brain and go with the herd, or they can choose to think for themselves, live their own right. life. And I think that second choice leads to a much better, fuller life. Um, well, I mean, I, I might quibble a little bit with the fact that they're choosing to be the be automatons. I think they're, they're in a state of um, not choosing, right? I think that they're just when, uh, playing out choices that were made for them stemming from their early childhood going forward you know there was there was uh, an interesting study done on um on nazis and i'm trying to remember the name of, of who did yeah, the study about like depending on how they were parented that yeah yeah so yeah. so the the they, they were interested to find out the nazis that were moral heroes right that put themselves at risk to save jews um, what was it, what was so different about them than mm. these other people that just kind of blindly followed orders and went with the group and kind of carried on that way. And the, the they were, they weren't, there was no socioeconomic class that they came from. There was no specific, uh, uh, race or, well, I guess they were all one race basically. Um, but th they couldn't pinpoint it. And then eventually they found, um, that, all of these moral heroes reported being raised at, in a different way than traditional Germans were raised. They it, back then it was traditional in Germany to institute corporal punishment. I mean, th their childhoods were brutal. They would they would um, nail infants up onto like trees, like in their in these bunting bags, and leave them crying there in their own filth all day. They would they, they would use severe corporal punishment to correct them and discipline them. But all the all these moral heroes, they were reported being raised through argumentation, right? In other words, their parents appealed right. to them as if they were rational people right. and said, "Look, this is why what you did was wrong. Can you understand that? And and what do you have? You know." So so they were they used words and they 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 treated those children as if they were moral agents that could choose, and those ones right. were able to choose and break away from groupthink and and be this way. And so I wonder how many, how many people, um, are, you know, having to like, I, again, to get to the but point I, where you can choose, I think you need to almost have that, the scales pulled back from your eyes and have that red pill moment where you realize that everything you believe, everything that, that the way you've been acting, behaving, everything has been put there by choices other people made for you by culture by your family by your community and if you want to to have free will if you want to chart your own destiny you have to break free of that and be a rational thinking person and choose differently and you can choose but i don't know that people even realize that they can choose um, until that moment 
Right. And so like, this is where I think we're getting to the, the, the crux of the issue is they like the, let's use the Germans for the example. So the ones who were treated like rational children, like rational people, they learned, oh, I can use my mind. I, this thing that I, I like the, what, what I think matters, whereas the children who were not treated that way, they learned that what they thought didn't matter. They learned to turn that right. off, right? Well, they what, 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 even more than that, they learned, they, they, they learned like base animal instinct of avoid punishment, seek reward, right? It was just like going between those two binaries and never uh, doing things for their own reasons. Right, being and good so for they goodness learned sake. to just kind of turn that off. But that's right. still a choice, right? At whatever age, they chose to turn that off. You could just be a miserable kid and still fight back and, and whatever and argue with your parents and, and, still be, and just be beaten more, right? Like that choice remains still. And so the whole idea is, I think for many people, right? Like I t- I've talked before about how when I, do, when I was in a mental health uh, program, everyone there had had that experience of like, the red pill moment, and then it jars them, right? And so that does always exist, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a red pill m- moment that shatters your world. It can be like, oh, like this, this one thing didn't quite make sense, right? And, and so it can be more gradual than that. But the whole idea is, it, it, it ultimately comes down to, you know, what is the nature of free will and whether or not people fundamentally have that choice. And I argue or I think, and I suppose objectivism argues that no matter how far gone you are, you still fundamentally are choosing to stay far gone, right? Yeah. You're, you're in control of your mind. And so if, and I don't know if you remember the experience. It's a very Christian way of thinking, by the way. What? Uh, You're, you're, I mean, Christians believe that basically you're choosing heaven or hell, right? And uh, salvation is always yeah, so available a, to you if you choose it, but people are not choosing it, right? And and yeah, I mean, there suffer are the parallels, consequences, right? There yeah. are parallels. I wouldn't say that's. I I would assume that's not an inherently Christian thing either. I'm sure there are philosophers older than sure. Christianity that had a similar view. But it is one fundamental choice: Are you using your mind or not? And that leads if you use your mind properly, you'll things things will trend in the positive direction. And if you don't, things will trend in the negative direction. And the further they trend in the negative direction, the scarier it is to have to get back to the positive direction, to climb out of hell or whatever it is, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I refuse to accept the idea that there's some sort of line at which people are they cannot be saved or whatever. Right. As a whole, into certain people, certain individuals. Again, a very Christian, Christian thing. I I don't know much about Christianity. I'm sure there are <laughs> parallels, but the whole idea is what is the nature of free will? What is the and you know so there are religious arguments for free will and well God can save you. God can reach you at any point, but I don't think that's true uh, and or important, right? Um, but the whole idea is. Um, the whole idea is like, this is the choice. If you think people can't take control of their life, then they need a philosopher king. They need the state. They need yeah. someone to help them because That's they fair. can't do it for whatever reason. Or you think, no, they can. And even the lost souls can if they really choose. 
And then that extends to, well, how do you prevent souls from being lost in the first place? And so those like that's those are the two options. Really, I don't see a third choice. No, and and that's fair. I mean, you know, I think we could argue about whether a philosopher king or democracy is more likely to create an environment where people can get red pilled and and you know you know are more likely to choose liberty uh that's an interesting argument to be had but the the fact of the matter remains that people can still choose liberty they can still choose uh, their state of mind they can still you know even if you're in a concentration camp you know there there was a book written on happiness and the guy chose to be happy he chose to to you know, find meaning in life, even knowing that his life was completely hopeless and he was likely going to die in the worst conditions, he still was able to be free in a sense in that moment. And we all have access to that. We can all choose that. We can all choose that mindset. I truly believe that, um, you know, it's just that writ large, um, there are certain environments that are more likely to uh, be conducive to people arriving at that conclusion than others probably. Right. Well, so, but I think the freer a society, then that leads to people being able to be free, right? But having a philosopher king that dictates to people the way in which, like, what primary decisions need to be made, like, that doesn't then work to me. That's, I don't, I can't articulate it, but that's a contradiction, right? To say, oh, if only I was in charge, then I could force you all to be free, Right. Like yeah. that doesn't make sense. Well, you just remove all the government benefits, all the state benefits and just say, look, you're on your own private property will be enforced. Um, you know, all those things. Right. And, and, um, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that that might be more conducive than, than mob rule. Um, right. But, but, but the idea is, do you have that in a set of laws or in a person, the philosopher king? Because the idea in well, I mean, if you're a philosopher king, if you're a true philosopher king, what you do is you is you say here are the here's the objectivist constitution, the rule of law. I'm imposing this on <laughs> the nation, um, uh, which is really basically just saying, actually, really, an objectivist set of laws is is really restraining what I can do as a philosopher king. It's putting shackles on me and the government apparatus in perpetuity and saying we will only enforce property rights and you know we will not there there shall be no theft there shall be no blah 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 and but neither then, will the government be able to do that what what when the philosopher king dies how do yeah. they choose the next who determines the next philosopher king yeah well that's that's a good question because if he's an elected philosopher king then you're essentially in look i'm not arguing that this is the best way for society to be arranged i'm just saying it might be easier it might be more conducive to uh people uh embracing liberty uh than uh than having mob rule in fact i think mob rule is don't want mob rule and that's not what right west was meant to be yeah but that's what we're living under basically right, right now, now. It seems. Yeah. 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 And so preferable to this might be a philosopher king. Um, but, you know, who knows? I, it's I not ideal. I'm not saying it's ideal. Right Look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an anarchist, man. I, I want statelessness. 
And somehow to me, it connects the fact that you're an anarchist and you want statelessness somehow connects to the fact that, but maybe a philosopher King would be the best way to get statelessness. But <laughs> maybe, I don't, I don't know. The, I don't have the ability to debate. Well, I mean, that. how else would you get, how else would you get it? I mean, it, it seems unlikely that we're going to, um, it seems unlikely in this environment that, that people are going to embrace liberty or embrace those those ideas. I mean, even what? you had to have a particular environment around you for you to, to um, be able to think for yourself and be red pilled. I mean, you had to be exposed well, to Ayn Rand's writings. You had to be exposed no, to... I, I was exposed after I had been red pilled, actually. Oh, okay. And that, and well, again, that's, that's more deterministic thinking that, oh, I just needed the right inputs into my brain to then, oh, turn on liberty. It's like, no, I had always been interested in the truth and I just never thought about politics much. As soon as I started to think about politics, I got to libertarian conclusions. I just never thought about it because I was busy living my life, right? But but again, it's a deterministic thinking to Mm. say, oh, if only I throw the right words at you and the right combination, this will turn on in your brain, right? People can choose to turn on their brain or not. And those who do and really conscientiously think about these issues will come to the right conclusions. Um, Maybe. Yeah, you you might be right. Well, you're definitely right. I mean, people people can choose this. I mean, um, you know, I wonder why I didn't choose it sooner, right? I didn't. That's interesting to understand is how, like, why, yeah, why did it take me 25 years or whatever to think about these things to understand it this way and you know for me i had inklings of it i had like some views i held that were in line with this i just had never connected them um but at least ayn rand argues that the culture is right now trying to totally destroy people's rational faculties right it actively tries to disintegrate their thinking so it's harder to make the proper choice because then they become automatons that can be ruled right um, yeah. and so like the, well, real, and that's the whole purpose of public school, by the way, and could explain a lot. Right. Yeah. But, all right. I think we'll, we'll call it here. I <laughs> before we, uh, I don't know if we're rambling. I feel like I'm rambling. Maybe you're not, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, we, we need to choose something right now, I think. Right. No, we should just wait until we get the, the, divine, the environment. The divine voice. Well, listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I like, I'll, I'll tell you the environment had to be right for me to, to start choosing, or maybe it didn't have to be, but um, it, it never occurred not. to me that, that there was another choice uh, until uh, my environment changed. And it was when I was going through a, a painful divorce and, and it totally like that. I had to confront a lot of things about my worldview going through that, like in, in my Christian belief. It was a mortal sin. I was going to hell. There was no reconciling this. And I'm like, how can I reconcile this? Like, and I I started looking inward and reading and, and then the scales fell from my eyes. And I realized that everything I'd been doing, all the choices I was making, my entire worldview was not there through my own rational thought, my thinking from first principles, it was entirely put there by culture, by society and everyone else. It had never occurred to me before that point, uh, that thought. And so, you know, uh, it, it took that stimulus from my environment to get me to think that. 
And when I think the, I the mental health crisis that's going on is indicative of that's happening to more and more people and it's shattering their worldview and they don't know why. Sure. Like most people, if they pay any attention to their own life, there's stuff they're not happy with. And if yeah. they actually just face it, it's not that they have to have this big choice of like, oh, I need to question my whole beliefs. It's they just have to really be honest about something in one thing in their life that they're really not happy with. And they have to ask, why is yeah. this in my life if I'm not happy with it? That's all it takes. So it's not a big red pill. It's just a little red pill. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, maybe it's it's like with me, the red pill wasn't about something that was happening out there in society. It was about something that was happening in my own life, right? Mm -hmm. And why I wasn't happy. You know, you're turning me into a bit of an objectivist here, uh, David, because I'm realizing now maybe in this conversation that uh, trying to red pill people on politics is probably not the answer. Uh, the politics followed from the what happened personally, right? From my own values, from my own discovery about rationality and choosing and all these things. Um, Hmm. Yeah, and it's something to think very about. Much the conversations I have with people, it's like they tell me that there's this thing in life that they don't like, and I just go, "Well, then why do you have it in your life?" And what do you? Oh, what do you mean? I I don't have to have it in my life? And it's like, well, yeah. not if you don't want it in your life. And you just ask them questions about the things they claim they're mad about in their own existence, and yeah. ask them, "Well, then why are they having it there?" And then it's like. I get to choose these things. I don't just have to live my life. I can choose what my life looks like. Um, but it's family. And, and I, I every, need to... right. So I think that's where, and that's makes it more kind of tenable to the average person. And, and the argument that people can be red-pilled, it's not that you have to somehow make them realize that all of the welfare state is bad. You just have to have them start to actually turn on their mind and question something in their life from first principles, whatever that yeah. small thing is. And then it's like a drug when they, oh, wow, I can actually have control of my life. It's, it's very addictive. Hmm. Yeah, very good points. Very good points. All right. Cool. Well, hopefully, Tim... A year from now, doesn't think we should have philosopher kings, but well, well no. We'll hopefully, a year from now, uh, people will get their act together and it elect me the to be their philosopher king. I will impose liberty from on high. We will all become libertarians. <laughs> people will become self-actualized and red-pilled uh, from my rule, uh, which will be no rule really, because I'll be removing all the chains that bind people and then just setting them free and letting them figure shit out on their own. Just do that or maybe i'll realize we won't need a philosopher king and on sale now contribute to tim being our future philosopher king head over to the liberty and you can support tim's eventual reign um and you can also then engage with us on that platform beyond the podcast and things like that so check it out and be sure to subscribe on youtube or your favorite podcasting app and tune in next week to the liberty experts peace Thank you.